0: Everybody welcome back to another episode of The Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety treatment and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in treatment of those things. And uh, thank you all for joining me today. Uh, if you'd like to know more about the FearCast, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can go and check me out over at uh, the Instagrams. I am, to no surprise, FearCast Podcast over there as well. Um, and uh, this is a question and answer based podcast where you can send questions into me about anxiety spectrum disorders, which is which includes phobias and, and generalized anxiety and social anxiety and OCD and all of its permutations. And you can send me a question and I'll read it, uh, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode. We've done a ton of episodes and we've done a, a, I've answered a ton of questions here. And, and all of that is because of you lovely listeners and taking the time to sending uh, to sending in those questions to me. And uh, I, I really do appreciate everybody who has sent questions in. If you have a question that you would like me to answer on a future episode, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and go to the submit a question link and send it to me there you can also by the way you can send me success stories so i'm trying to i would like to put those up on future episodes just to show everybody success is out there you can have it it is attainable it is doable it is hard but it's doable again i want y'all to do hard things not impossible things and recovery is not an impossible thing you can do it with some effort some work and some help you can do it, and I just want, I would love to hear your stories. So so today, unfortunately, I, I just talked to all about these questions and how wonderful they are, and you know, I, I'm going to stomp all over that, because that's apparently what I do. Today is not going to be a question-and-answer-based uh, episode. Today is going to be an interview episode, so I was able to chat with Elizabeth Bartholomew of the OCD Center of Los Angeles, and she was lovely enough to share her time and to talk about uh, the addiction model and... OCD. So, a little bit about kind of, um, we, we talked a lot about a lot of things, but kind of the, uh, some of the topics were what the OCD model is, what OCD treatment looks like. So, I really enjoyed having Elizabeth on this episode to talk about these two things and to talk about the overlap between them and how someone can utilize some of the principles of both. In their recovery for Osteen anxiety, and also their recovery against drugs and alcohol. So, um, so I know this is kind of a very niche episode in terms of uh, in terms of its content, but uh, but I'd encourage everyone to to have to have a listen and to to see how they resonate and to see what elements they can include in their own recovery as they're working on challenging their obsessions, challenging their anxieties, and trying to find recovery moving forward with their life. So, before I get into it, let me tell you a little bit about. Elizabeth. So Elizabeth is a staff therapist at the OCD Center of Los Angeles and has been there since 2012. Elizabeth's experience with treatment not only covers the full range of anxiety spectrum disorders, but also having experienced treating addiction through dual diagnosis drug and alcohol treatment centers. I've known Elizabeth for a ton of years and I I, I, I was really thankful that she could join us for this episode. So without further ado, Here's my episode with Elizabeth Bartholomew. Right. Elizabeth Bartholomew, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. So I'm really happy for you to join us to talk about the overlap between uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and 12-step programs as they pertain to OCD treatment, anxiety treatment. Because um, I think maybe a lot of people think that CBT and 12-step might be incompatible with one another. They th- might say there's there's a lot of similarities between the two. But um, you, you have, you have a, an interest in both of these programs or both of these uh, methods of treatment treatment. And uh, so I'm happy to have you join us to talk about uh, the two.
1: Thank you for having me, Kevin.
0: Absolutely. Well, why do you first? All
1: right, let's launch in.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, let's let's launch in with um, uh, comparing and contrasting just these two. Tell me a little bit about what what CBT is, what 12 step programs are uh, similarities and differences. I think that's a good place to start.
1: So some people may not know the term 12-step program, but they know the term AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. 12-step programs are essentially a program based in 12 steps in which you have a sponsor. uh, There's no leaders. uh, It's totally free. And a lot of people are successful at gaining sobriety through being a member of a 12-step program. I am a member of a 12-step program, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, CBT, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, is the evidence-based treatment for OCD and all anxiety disorders. And depression. I'm a big fan of CBT. And I just wanted to talk about um, how they are like and how they are different. I do have clients who are members of Alcoholics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, there's actually a program, an a 12 step program for people with OCD. There's a 12-step program for people with excoriation disorder, or what we call compulsive skin picking. The joke is there's a 12-step program for everything. So I'm just going to go launch into number one, unless you have a question.
0: Uh, Not not just yet. Launch into number one. I think that's a, a, a good plan.
1: Number one... They're both action oriented in Alcoholics Anonymous chapter six. It's an actual book It's a book. There's a chapter called into action. Mm. So okay. it's not like you just walk into an AA meeting and you're struck sober. There's a lot to do if you're a member of a 12 step program. There's a lot of action to take. And then with cognitive behavioral therapy, if any of your listeners uh, are in a CBT group or are working with a CBT therapist, it's very homework heavy. There's a lot to do. And so they're both very action oriented. Mm hmm. Another thing that is similar between a 12-step program and cognitive behavioral therapy is they both require willingness.
0: Mm. Yeah, tell me a little bit The old saying
1: that. is that, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. There's a little <laughs> delay.
0: There, there is a delay. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so, you, so you're saying it requires a little bit of willingness. And um, Well, tell me a little bit about how willingness impacts treatment.
1: So, as a specializing cl- in OCD and anxiety disorders, uh, there's two things that are important. My clients need to be willing, and they need to have insight. And an in Alcoholics anonymous member needs to want to stop drinking, needs to want to have a different life the old joke is 12-step programs are not for people who need it it's for people who want it
0: Mm. i like that like that a lot yeah so you said there's um oh man i should have written this down i got distracted by something else so we're kind of talking about uh, willingness versus insight Think you had said something to that effect. Well,
1: willingness in addition to insight.
0: Willingness in addition to insight. Is there a difference between the two in your in your mind? And is there one that's more important than the other?
1: Mm, that's a great question. Yes, willingness is way more important. Because here's the thing about insight, which is a fancy word for self-awareness. As our anxiety increases our insight decreases.
0: Mm. As our willingness and OCD
1: and OCD is an anxiety disorder in 12 step programs, the member or the person who's seeking sobriety, their job is to be willing. The sponsor's job is to guide them through the 12 steps. As a clinician treating OCD, it's my client's job to be willing to want to get better. And it's my job to take them through the treatment protocol. And that's another similarity between 12 step programs and CBT for OCD. Okay. So
0: let's say you have someone who's in the, in the process who is who wants who who wants to get, who? Well, I say wants wants to get started, wants to get uh, wants to make progress either with uh, uh, alcohol recovery or um, or or CBT and and um, uh, OCD recovery, but they have a. a, 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 a they have difficulty, right? They have difficulty with their willingness. It may be kind of shaky. Some days, uh, uh, some days they really want it. And other days, man, they just kind of want to fall back into their old habits. What, what is something that you, as a guide, or you know, or you, as a sponsor, are gonna can do to help someone get their willingness back or get it more consistent uh, in, in their life for treatment?
1: Well, first of all, Kevin, I'm gonna normalize it. Okay. I'm gonna normalize that willingness waxes and wanes, insight waxes and wanes. And it's just a very normal part of the process. Uh, I might, after normalizing it and saying, yeah, me too. Uh, as, a, as a sponsor, I might make a joke and say something like, don't you hate that? Uh, and as a clinician treating OCD and anxiety Going to help them sort of focus on you know what's in front of them you know with OCD we tend to over attend to unwanted thoughts self-judgmental thoughts and I'm going to suggest to my clients that we zoom out it's my favorite metaphor for mindfulness now is zooming in and zooming out If somebody in AA is zooming in to their urges to drink or zooming in to a mistake they made, it's going to be really hard to be serene and stay sober. Somebody with OCD, if they're zooming in to how many compulsions they practiced that day, I'm going to say we got to zoom out. We got to look at the last month since you've been in treatment not the last four hours.
0: As kind of a way to show that there's, there, are, there are highs and lows. There are difficult times. There are going to be, quote, easy times. There are going to be times when the anxiety is right in your face or the the urge to drink may be right in your face. But, you know, given time, given a, even a little bit of time, that urge will subside. Is that is that kind of what you're referring to?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. So, so, Elizabeth, you, uh, th- so the next point on our on, on our big giant uh, um, uh, outline that we have <laughs> going on here, it says AA is a spiritual program. So, th- the, the phrase spiritual program can be really triggering or really uncomfortable to a lot of people. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by AA is a spiritual program? And then I see underneath that, CBT is not. So, tell me a little bit about that.
1: So, some people, I guess... So I'm comparing and contrasting. So I'm going to contrast AA and CBT around the idea of spirituality. AA is a spiritual program in general, though I'm not an expert. The goal of AA is to admit powerlessness over alcohol. And once you've admitted powerlessness, you seek your power from a higher power. Some people call it God, religious people. It's specific to their religion. The old joke in AA is all you got to know is that there's a power greater than yourself and it's not you. So there is praying. There is meditating. There is a lot of what some people distastefully refer to as god stuff okay if you became a client of mine at the ocd center and wanted treatment for ocd spirituality religion god is not a part of what we're going to talk about however we are going to talk about mindfulness and so, in some ways, you can see that as a similarity as well. Mindfulness is a big part of our treatment protocol. Mindfulness, meaning being an observer of your thoughts, getting in the moment, breathing, learning to act instead of react. In Alcoholics Anonymous, the spiritual part of the program helps people act instead of react
0: so does that feel like for for some Having that – well, for some in an AA program, does it, if it sounds like having the spiritual component – well, the spiritual component in AA certainly is a central component, but for some that can be an incredible benefit, for some that can be a bit of an obstacle, but at the very least there's the discussion of something that is bigger or grander or stronger or more powerful than us, um, but you're going to talk about it as a spiritual component, whereas in CBT there's still something that is maybe bigger than us – But we're not going to call it a spiritual element. We're going to call it more of uh, mindfulness being present, uh, consciousness, awareness, connectedness, something to that effect?
1: Perhaps, or, you know, the third wave, uh, mindfulness-based CBT. Technically, you know, the work that I do as a clinician is all evidence-based. There's research around it. Um, you know, hard science. And in AA, it really is a leap of faith. You know, what most people do when they go to AA is, you know, they're at their rock bottom. And when they choose a sponsor, it's advised that they choose a sponsor who has what they want. Not the car or not the, house but has sort of a peace, has sobriety has whatever it is that person is looking for and i'm going to jump to another part of the outline because here i go
0: okay let's jump <laughs> let's go for it
1: as far as a therapist how do you pick a therapist
0: Ooh, good and question. This is number
1: four. I see that. I'm looking at my, my notes. I'm all the way at four. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: see it. We're moving around. Everybody, just buckle up. We're going to be bouncing around today. So here we go. So yeah, it's it, like
1: a roller coaster.
0: Aren't they always? Yeah. So we and and uh, we've talked about uh, we've talked a lot about how to find a good therapist. What does it mean to find a good therapist that struggles with it? But tell me what that means in the context of kind of this overlap between uh, CBT treatment and AA.
1: So, in general, in finding a CBT therapist, we have the IOCDF, the International OCD Foundation, and there is a certain training that is necessary um, to be a specialist. And once you get a therapist that has that training, it's also really important that you like your therapist. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of in general this is my opinion only your therapist is someone you'd want to go have lunch with Mm. and you need to like your therapist and part of the work with cbt that makes it successful is the rapport similarly wow you look so much more professional with your glasses on kevin
0: i know right these are, actually, I'll, I'll just say this everybody, and I'm going to leave this in. So, the, these are these are liar's glasses. These are uh, computer glasses because my sleep get gets all messed up when I'm staring at the computer for 100 hours a day. So, I got these, but you know what? I look so much smarter, don't I? You look very smart. I look very smart. It's, it's alarming, right? I went all <laughs> those years looking like a big dum-dum without glasses. So... Anyways, these are all the jokes, everybody. All right, so sorry, we, we got sidetracked, everybody. I, I, I'll say this in the beginning if you haven't heard this before. I've known Elizabeth for many, many years, so we've we've had plenty of times to make silly jokes, and we've known each other for, for um, uh, good times and bad. So uh, if we get sidetracked and start to be goofballs, I apologize, but also I don't apologize even a little bit. So anyways, Elizabeth, keep going. We're talking about uh, uh, finding your therapist. Do you want to find a therapist that's that you like that seems fun Maybe not it seems fun but it seems like you'd want to be in their company and talk with them
1: mm-hmm. similar to a sponsor you know um in general you pick a sponsor who has what you want and so those are some similarities between 12 step and cbt and i want to encourage your listeners kevin that if they meet with a cbt therapist And it doesn't feel like a fit. That is okay. It is okay to make a change. In general, my advice to my clients is don't make your decision on the first, whether it's a first date or the first session with your therapist. I always recommend a second one, a second visit. But it's okay to make a change. You're not committed. And my uh, FaceTime is about to ring. <laughs> Hi, yeah. it happened just like I was afraid it would, Kevin. We knew it would.
0: We knew it would. But I, I really like this point, and I think that's something that that really needs to be punctuated to a lot of people. That uh, you know, there are a lot of therapists out there, and there are a lot of awkward therapists out there. And I say awkward therapists because I've I've known some. I am one. But you know, I, I tell all my clients. If at the end of if at the end of a session or two you just go, man, Kevin's just a big old weirdo, and I don't want to talk with him at all. Great, then I want to try to f- connect that person with someone with with whom they feel more comfortable, with whom they feel that they want to talk to, because I could be the best therapist on earth. But if they don't want to talk to me or if they feel uncomfortable, we're not going to get any work done. And it's just going to be wasted time for everybody. So I think this is a really valuable point for people to know that they can skip. Now, what happens if they just can't seem to find a therapist? If they go from therapist to therapist to therapist to therapist because they can't seem to find one that, quote, fits this this kind of rubric. What would you say to that person?
1: That's your OCD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. And so expand on that just briefly, if you could.
1: <laughs> well, as as we all know, uh, some people who suffer from OCD are looking for a just right feeling. And if somebody had gone through multiple CBT therapists, uh, that's a bit of a red flag that they're looking for either perfection or a just right feeling
0: Mm -hmm. right so, that's certainly something to be aware of, and if you are those people who are jumping from person to person to person looking for that just, just right fit, that may be something that, to practice sitting with. Now, again, I think th- th- these two points seem to be um, incompatible with one another, but, but that's something to look at and to chat with, with a therapist if you find yourself going through that pattern. In other words, the common denominator here actually may be you, not the therapist, but in a lot of cases... Ha ha.
1: Don't you hate that?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. I hate that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So it, it, so is there anything else you'd want to add to this point?
1: Uh No. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to jump again.
0: Let's jump. Where are we going to time travel to?
1: Let's jump to number three.
0: Ooh, that was a good one. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> Okay, so another difference between 12-step programs and CBT is 12-step programs in general are ongoing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure and re- response prevention is considered short-term. And this is what I love about being a specialist, is that clients get better There is often a beginning, middle, and an end to treatment. Now, don't get me wrong. I have clients from 2013. We got through their hierarchy. We did all the exposures. Uh, They, quote unquote, completed treatment. They got symptom reduction. But then they just wanted to hang out with me because I knew so much about them. And now we just talk about life stuff. So yes, I've had some clients who started with me for their OCD and I have become their, you know, individual therapist. AA is ongoing. Now there's different opinions on this, but in general, you can't be recovered from alcoholism. Now, A lot of people will argue this. So I'm just going to go with the approach I take as a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what works for me is that every day I am recovering from the disease of alcoholism. I'm never done. Mm -hmm. As far as the 12 step go, you work the 12 steps, and then guess what? You work them again, and you work them again and you work them again. And you can work all 12 steps in a half hour, okay? The 12th step of Alcoholics Anonymous is to share the message. And so that's part of the program is telling people about it. Hey, if you're suffering, there's this this thing we got over here. Um, But CBT is short-term psychotherapy Alcoholics Anonymous and twelve-step programs tend to be ongoing.
0: Mm -hmm. I think there's, I, I, I I, I like also that you're talking about that AA is something that you said is ongoing, but is also something that can be done. As you said, you can go through all twelve steps in a half an hour. It's something that you can continue to work on, and there are some elements of CBT that can continue to be done as a healthy person. Um, and And also, I, I also think there's some overlap here between the, the disease themselves, because alcoholism will be a chronic condition, as is anxiety, as is OCD. meaning there, these are things that may not affect you on a day-to-day basis, but there are things that are going to be recurring in So there may be some things that I'm I'm willing to bet that this person you're talking about from 2013, that you went through their hierarchy and you say you had completed treatment, that from time to time in the work that you continue to do with them, Periodically, you do address OCD symptoms or thoughts or cons- or anxieties in general. That it's not that you get through CBT treatment and all that is all that fear or the type of anxious thinking that we have is eliminated and that we never talk about it again. It's that there is a, there is a greater ability to manage those symptoms through CBT. Am I am I completely off off the the, the track?
1: A hundred percent kevin
0: off the track yes you're oh okay on On track track. okay i was wondering where you're going with that there's a lot of hesitation before you finish that sentence all right go ahead
1: a hundred percent i'll just say talk a little bit about that yes yes in cbt we do cognitive restructuring we challenge those intrusive unwanted thoughts those irrational thoughts we have to get quiet. We have to breathe. We have to zoom out as part of mindfulness. And we have to do what scares us. So you're absolutely right, Kevin. This client from 2013, OCD can get triggered again and we're back doing the same stuff.
0: Right. And and therefore it's not considered a failure when that happens either. It's it's expected.
1: Absolutely not. It's normal.
0: Right, it's you know similarly. I, I, I go through this point really just for someone out there who may be listening to this episode. They they may have that all or nothing perfectionism mindset where I'm going to go into treatment. I'm going to quote get fixed, right? Where there is a and to borrow an AA term, there's going to be a relapse. There's going to be not maybe kind of sorta, of, not you know in weird circumstances or extraneous circumstances, but. In treatment, there are relapses because as, you know, the the simple statement, you know, if you you could have done it, you would have done it already. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure every single person who's listening to this episode has had a family member or even themselves say, why don't you just stop? As if it was that easy. But Mm -hmm. alas, it's not. So, when relapses happen, we just, we we go back to the beginning. You go back to step one. You go back to, uh, you go back to the tools in CBT that work so yeah Mm -hmm,
1: absolutely
0: awesome anything else you'd want to add to add to this
1: point Uh, i want to just reiterate for your listeners with ocd that ocd is chronic Mm -hmm. that there is no 100% cure for ocd but you can get symptom reduction the treatment is evidence-based The goal is to become, the fancy word is subclinical. So you're always gonna have OCD, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be interfering in the life you wanna live, doing the things that you wanna do. In the same way that my belief is that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic and yet for 29 years, Mm -hmm. I haven't had a drink. I am living a full and meaningful life despite my alcoholism, which I inherited from my family. And as maybe your listeners don't know how heritable OCD and anxiety are. And so that would be another um, way in which they're similar.
0: Right. Right. Those are great, great points. And it can be, it can be frustrating, but also I think it's inspiring to know that, as you said, you have 29 years of recovery. That means that's twenty nine years of success, but at no point are we going to say it's done, it's gone, it's gone forever. But that's okay because you can still have this life. I think I've here, I've heard my clients say. I'm sure you've heard your clients say, I I have OCD, and they share something to the effect of, well, my life is going to be. You know, some expletive. It's gonna, it's gonna be awful because I have this terrible, horrible, awful mental health disease or disorder that's just gonna get in the way of my life, and I, I, can't, I can't reinforce with them enough that 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 thought is anxiety, and that thought is the fear that's that is just keeping them demotivated or amotivated to pushing forward. You can have a fantastic life and be a recovering anxiety disordered person that's probably not the right way to say it but you can live with anxiety you can live with the disease of alcoholism and have a successful life as evidenced by you absolutely right
1: thank you so much i want to add one other point that's not on here just to keep you on your toes kevin
0: goodness all right curveballs everybody go for it
1: the role of community Ooh. AA works, in my opinion, because of the fellowship, because of the community. My personal experience is it feels good to go in that room and say, hi, I'm Elizabeth and I'm an alcoholic. You, Kevin, are doing a wonderful job of opening up treatment and awareness and psychoeducation about OCD and related disorders. You are creating a community. Now, for your listeners who are fortunate enough to be able to be an individual therapy with an OCD specialist, it's just you guys. It's just you two. I encourage people to create a community, the OCD community, uh, by either joining a group or being on social media and meeting other people with OCD. But a big part of recovering is knowing that you're not alone. That someone else has had that exact same obsession or struggle with that exact same compulsion, and that's a huge, huge part of recovery. And so, I encourage you, if you are in individual therapy, seek out the community, and they they're, they do exist.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I used to run groups, and I know you used to run groups as well, is that there's 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 a, a magic to having people come in that room and be able to share things that, and they literally will say, I don't tell anybody about this. Or... You, the therapist, or you, the group, are the first pe- people I've ever told about my fear, and we we don't take that lightly. We don't take that um, for granted. It, it's it's special, and that's what that's what's meaningful about that that group and that community. It can be incredibly special to hear me too, or to hear to to hear some solidarity in the struggles that, for a long time, many people think that they are the only person. Experiencing that stuff, and then the, when they come across an article or a podcast or a book, and it refers to something that they've uh, that they've experienced, it can it can it can be such a relief and such an encouragement to know that somebody has had this and that they can recover. I think he, seeing that within an AA group would be incredibly encouraging to hear someone who says, "Hey, I, I've been in the same boat as you, a different boat, but I've still been in a boat." And I've have re- I've achieved recovery through doing this work. So yes, mm-hmm. w- what are some what are some? Um, so you, you mentioned obviously groups. You've mentioned online uh, kind of social media groups. Where else can people find community, or are there other places that you'd recommend?
1: Like I said, there is AA for OCD. You can just go online and and Google the twelve step program. Uh, also for. Um, compulsive skin picking. You know, Google is your friend here. Um, The IOCDF is where you can go to learn about forums, chat rooms. I do want to caution your listeners about some of the chat rooms uh, that a lot of the people that are going on there are uh, not under the care of a specialized clinician. And they are I can't Can you help me with a nice way to say this, Kevin? You know what I'm going to say
0: I do Uh, First off, I just want everybody to know how cautiously elizabeth is trying to get through these words here's what i think she's trying to say some people on there are not trying to get themselves actual help they're trying to give themselves reassurances through compulsion and they are going to be up on those boards and they are going to if you go up there and you say hey here's what i'm struggling with can other people offer help they might offer you some assistance that is going to be i'll say less helpful by basically offering compulsive comments. Now, I don't know if that's something that you are going to say, but that's certainly what I was going yeah, to Yeah, what I
1: was going to say <laughs> is to FearCast podcast listeners, get a community and beware. Beware of Reddit, beware of chat rooms, mm-hmm. uh, be cautiously optimistic and know that Um. It can be triggering. There can be misinformation out there. And, uh, but keep searching, keep searching for a community.
0: Yeah, and and so you you've heard the caution, but I'll also say like I've I have um, this podcast started by questions founded from the the uh, red, the the OCD subreddit, so I, I spent a lot of time on there before doing the podcast answering people's questions at just as as myself, and you know there there are some people up there who are going to be very helpful. There are some people in Facebook groups and on um, Instagram that are going to be incredibly helpful, and there are going to be some people who are not. So grain of salt. Uh, listen for the common themes that, that from people who are getting a lot of uh, who are giving comments that sound consistent with one another. So if you're starting to hear a lot of people say the same thing, that's probably accurate. If you hear you know Jake seventy two over here saying something ridiculous, maybe that's maybe they are not accurate. But grain of salt. But still keep pushing through. Don't give up.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay. okay well, Elizabeth, I know I want to be respectful of your time today. Um, are there are, are there any other points or time travels or side notes or, or other things that we want to try to get to?
1: Let's see. I'm looking at my outline. I think we covered all of it. You know I'll add one other thing because oh. I do have a few more minutes. Okay. I want to talk about, Addiction, what we call active addiction, and CBT. Can you be actively using a substance and do cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure and response prevention Mm. for OCD? No, you can't. <laughs> All right, you just, just no. can't. You just can't. I'm sorry, just no. I bring this up because I have clients who use the substance to self-medicate. They get an intrusive thought, they're very anxious, they're panicking, they use their substance to try to reduce their anxiety. And because this has become a pattern, they have then become addicted to the substance. And they approach me and say, yeah, sometimes I do this thing over here, but it's not a problem. Um, Will you help me with my OCD? And I say, absolutely. But we have to keep in check. We have to keep checking in with the client on that substance use because sometimes it gets to the point where they have to deal with the substance use first before I can help them with the evidence-based treatment for OCD. It becomes a barrier and an obstacle.
0: That's a really good point. And, and to, to help define that a little bit further, when you say a- active use, do you mean is that any any drug is that any alcohol is that so for example if someone is, wants to do cbt treatment are, do they need to be 100% sober throughout the entire process or can they can absolutely they have absolutely not okay
1: absolutely not uh and without getting too specific right. i do have clients who recreationally drink who recreationally uh use thc who uh, and none of this is a problem. The only thing I require of my clients is that they are not drunk or high during session. Now, that sounds like common sense to some of us. But for people who it's starting to become a problem who, or who are active addicts, it's not that easy. So, no, you don't have to be a sober member of a 12-step program to, to work with me or to do CBT. But sometimes it gets to the point where I have to have the hard conversation with my clients that my hands are sort of tied until you work on that.
0: Right, right. And I think that's a really good point to to add there. Yeah, and I, I have the same policy with my clients. You know, certainly no drinking before, no drinking or smoking before sessions, but also uh, no drinking or smoking till at least an hour after an exposure, because sometimes people will you know just say oh, I'll just take a, I'll have a drink to take the edge off and now we'll do this thing. There's a reason they call alcohol liquid courage. It's because it takes away that <laughs> the 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 pain and discomfort of the anxiety, but in CBT treatment and exposure and response prevention, that's what we're trying to do is to feel the feelings and to say I can feel the pain and the sting of this and that's okay. In other words, I don't need the quote liquid courage to do this. And we start to separate those two and we start to relearn, I can do this without substances. But again, as you're saying, if someone's recreationally engaging with this outside of exposures and not as a self-medicating procedure, great, go for it. So long as it's not causing a problem in your life.
1: And for clarification, Kevin, when I say active addiction, that would be as if I started drinking again. Right. Okay. So I am an addict. I am addicted to alcohol. I am an alcoholic, but I am not in active addiction right now because mm-hmm. I'm clean and sober. So just I wanted to clarify the two terms.
0: Right, right. So I think that's an important clarification because I think so, some people get, get worried of that, you know, they, they're not going to be able to do anything. It's it, it's not the case. We're not the biggest killjoys despite Despite what people may think about us, that's anyways. You get the idea, everybody. So, um, so Elizabeth, I think, so anyways, thank you for, for so much for that point. So, uh, I, so in the sake of time, is there anything else that you'd want to add? I mean, we've gone we've gone through a lot of information, comparing and contrasting CBT treatments with AA uh, AA programs and the different types of AA programs. Is there anything else, that, any advice or encouragement that you'd want to offer listeners who may be thinking about? either engaging in CBT treatment or AA or, or just trying to figure out where to go, what is there any guidance that you'd want to give them or encouragement?
1: Well, in AA, we say, keep coming back. Mm. Keep coming back. It works. If you work it as far as CBT and pursuing treatment, just go for it. Just go for it. What do you have to lose? Mm.
0: Uh,
1: yeah ERP is hard
0: it, it's hard yeah it, it's 12 hard steps are hard yeah <laughs> it's I, I and you're saying it in a matter of fact way it is but as you said it works if you work it it's none of these programs are magic therapy therapy ain't magic as I, as my listeners have heard me say but if you do it if you follow through it if you trust the process works and you pretend you quote pretend as if it works, meaning you do the things it'll probably work but
1: yeah for sure
0: but you've got to do it so I think that's great advice so elizabeth thank you so much now if if um if if people have further questions about this or if i get questions about this would you be willing to jump on in a future episode and answer some questions perhaps about the overlap between aa and cbt
1: i would love to kevin
0: awesome Okay. Well, Elizabeth, again, thank you so much for your time and expertise. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. Thank you. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for making it through that episode. So um, I, I I hope everyone enjoyed it. We picked up a little bit near the end. It started a little slow. It started a little awkward, but that's okay. We made it through. We loosened up a little bit. We recorded super early doing this. So I think both of us needed to get our coffee in our system. And we did it. And you made it. And I hope you guys weren't needing coffee to get through it as well but either way i appreciate it i appreciate everybody getting through that episode so if you have questions for elizabeth in a future episode or would like uh, to know a little bit more about uh the aa model and how that can be helpful for uh for your recovery or uh if you just have questions for her and her uh, very specific expertise and kind of the overlap between the aa model and uh ocd and anxiety treatment go over to fearcastpodcast.com and uh send me a, uh, send me your question. I will read it and I'll bring it up with her. And if she uh, has the availability, I'll have her on a future episode to chat about it. So again, uh, please remember everybody that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. Uh, and, uh, if you would like more, uh, information about recovery, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can go over to find help link. And there's going to be some links and some, uh, some things up there that may be helpful for you. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much again for joining me and, uh, uh, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.